You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hey, hey! Greetings to all, and I hope you're enjoying some nice weather and green scenery now that spring's in full swing. Today on Find the Call, I have an interview with Harmony Woods, who surprise dropped one of my favorite albums of the year so far, Graceful Rage. It definitely lives up to its name, with both grace and rage, brought forth lyrically as well as musically through a strong dynamic range and plenty of huge moments. I'm talking to Sophia all about the album, deciding to release such a personal representation of her feelings, recording with Barty Strange, and more. But before we get into that, we have another installment of What's the Buzz with Joel Funk. As always, we're breaking down some of our favorite tracks that we've been jamming recently. But today's episode also includes a bit of discussion about the return of live events and what we're feeling about that. So stick around and enjoy. to kind of start things off with a ripper with uh, the song sunny monday by wallace i just really needed some positive vibes this week so i went for you know sunny monday is kind of lives up to its name for sure um i really love like the chunky guitars and the way that it like complements wallace's voice and it's just like a really great like kind of sickly sweet love song um uh, and uh, her vocals i definitely get like big sincere engineer vibes which is glad you said never that. a bad thing <laughs> yeah i'm glad you said that because that's literally what i was going to compare it to when i heard it i was like first of all these guitars absolutely shred second of all i love the tone of this voice so much <laughs> yeah and so i actually i found out about wallace when i was down at launch music conference in pennsylvania and they were actually on there was so they have a panel where you can like submit your song and then have the I don't know quote unquote judges like the guests the the industry people kind of critique it and Sunny Monday was one of the songs that was chosen and I was like oh my god this sounds so good like I was immediately hooked and thankfully they hadn't played the the festival side of the conference yet so I was able to catch them that night and I caught them live and it was like so good and uh, their most recent EP Do You Still Love Me is like kind of leans a little bit less on the grungy side and more into like the kind of pop punk side a little bit more uh like cleaner but it's also like really great (laughs) yeah i'm excited to dive more into it because this song was like such a such a great introduction to them i can't wait to hear more from them yeah it's definitely definitely a hit (laughs) in my book yeah absolutely um and then the next song is horny lovesick mess by girl in red uh Girl in Red is a Norwegian singer-songwriter um, who I am, like, not ashamed to say I heard about because Taylor Swift, like, shared this album on her Instagram story. Um, but so I, I saw that, and of course I was like, okay, well, I'm going to listen to it eventually anyway. So I, like, added it to my library on Spotify. And then I was listening to a po- another podcast I like, uh, Las Culturistas, and they mentioned Girl in Red. And I was like, okay, well, now I have to listen to it because... And she does like this really cool, um, like take on sort of pop punk meets bedroom pop. Um, this song in particular is like a really sick, almost like a love letter to like like teenage lust, right? It's not necessarily a super sappy love song. Um, and it's sort of critiquing the idea of like hookup culture, but not dismissing it either. Um, it's a really, I don't know, it's a really fun listen. And this album as a whole is also just a very, very, very interesting take on just what pop music sounds like in 2021. Yeah, I I think like the kind of the pop structure 
is really interesting to me. Uh, like, it feels like one of those songs that, like, I think it's definitely kind of like meticulously planned out. And if it wasn't, I think it's one of those songs that could like border on like turning into like really messy and like not working at all. But because because of the way that it, the kind of pieces all fit together, it, it does just work. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And I just, I don't know, I'm like excited to dig more into her back catalog because I know it went like super, it used to be like super lo-fi. And then this, with this, she's just kind of not been afraid to really explore like explosive moments in her music. So I'm excited for it. Yeah, I, I think, I believe it was on this song that there's like some of the drum parts, just like, especially like right at the start of the song and that first kind of like section before it gets to like the kind of ambient outro, they yep. just sound like really kind of like huge and like super like echoey, like big room noise. Yeah, absolutely. She's just, I don't know. I, I love the direction pop music is going. Like I'm excited to hear the influence of stuff we've been listening to, like in the background for so long, bleeding into, into the mainstream sort of. For sure. Um, uh, next up, we got uh, Cliff Diver with Gas City, which I don't know that it's my favorite Cliff Diver song, but it's definitely the one that like gets stuck in my head the most. <laughs> oh, yeah. I sing this song to myself all the time. I'll be sitting at my desk literally just singing, you need to gas up all of your homies, <laughs> like all the time. Yeah, definitely. Uh, again, I needed those positive vibes and this has it in spades for sure. <laughs> yeah. And Joey's voice is so undeniable. Like when I heard, I think it was Cameron Diaz for the first time uh, with the big pastel music video and like, and that, that mullet unfold display to at least click on the video. Uh, but at, ever since then, it's been like, I was instantly hooked and I was like, I wait to hear what this band does mm -hmm. yeah and i mean the way they like meld the sax solos in are like so perfect and the addition of uh their new singer brianna as well is like awesome and i mean they're currently in the studio recording their first album and i could not be more stoked to see how that comes out. oh absolutely especially because like similar to Greek, really isn't afraid to play so like there are moments that are pretty straightforward pop punk but then there's moments with these huge sax solos and they have like even like post-hardcore breakdowns on some of the stuff. So I'm excited to hear what the album as a whole sounds like. Yeah. And Joey has been saying there's going to be more screaming than you can handle. So <laughs> I'm so excited. Hell yeah. Uh, next we've got to some I'm genius by snow Ellett. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. That's how I'm going to go about an EP that I like saw in passing uh christian shared a link to it again on instagram and then somebody at the alternative tweeted a link to the ep and i was like oh I'll, i'm gonna listen to it right and this is the first song off of the ep suburban indie rockstar and this song in particular it's just it sounds so much like similar to oso oh oso oh but like with some of the bigger vibes of like third eye blind and like early 2010s like warped indie rock it's just it gets played at my desk like twice all the way through like twice a day <laughs> nice yeah i feel like i really dig kind of like the the jingle guitar mixed with the more like distant sounding vocals mm -hmm. and i i feel like the song wouldn't be out of place on like the adventures of pete and pete soundtrack or something <laughs> absolutely absolutely and i don't know i always connect with like what i like to call like a muted positivity and i think that is present in this song like if it was done the wrong way it could kind of come off as conceited but mm -hmm. it, it leans more into like the humble side so it's like yeah it it definitely feels like genuine <laughs> yeah it feels almost aspirational where it could definitely feel cocky if it was done uh less genuinely i guess for sure yeah and i think uh just you speaking about how you kind of got into the the two picks that we've discussed from you so far really just goes to show how don't not shout about your favorite bands because if like it took you two times seeing like seeing two different seeing these things in two different places to be like okay now i gotta check it out it's like yeah just just fucking send a tweet post on instagram you know gas yeah. up your homies <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> And then up next is Good Friends Are Hard to Find by A Day Without Love. And I feel like this is just like such a classic example of like a, a songwriter song, like one that kind of makes you really appreciate what a quote unquote like basic song can be. Mm -hmm. 
Brian is like such a cool figure within the scene to me because, you know, that over the last couple of years, he's done like a crap ton of collaborations with other artists. He put out a poetry book. He's, he does a podcast where he is looking to speak to a thousand people just, you know, about what they're all about. And um, actually the song Good Friends Are Hard to Find was released uh, last summer when he announced a documentary that's going to be coming out this summer um, where, you know, on tour, he was like interviewing all of these different people about kind of like, you know, what a safe space is and how to, you know, work towards creating more safe spaces. And um, yeah, I don't know. I just find like all his work super inspirational. Nice. I did not know about the documentary at all. Um, but the song, like the second I heard it, uh, it felt like a like a movie credit song, right? Like this, <laughs> the, the all the conflict is resolved, and this is playing like as the credits are scrolling, and it gives me like big Jack Johnson, like it gave me Jack Johnson and like Jason Mraz vibes, but like not in like a cringy, please turn it off, I don't want to hear it anymore <laughs> way, like in a good like it feels like a nice breeze, like on a spring day kind of. For sure, yeah, it's definitely one of those like college courtyard, like chilling and <laughs> chilling out, hanging with your friends. Exactly. It just feels nice. And it's just like, I don't know. I, I think we need a little bit more of that. And then I have on here, I have favorite band by Chloe Moriando. I'm going to try to make this the last time for a little bit that I pick a Chloe Moriando song. <laughs> um, but I think that this came out last Friday is probably at this point anyway, my album of the year. Favorite band was a song that like the second I got the advance for this record, I think I talked about to like at least 10 people and i was one of them the name drops in this song alone it's very much like i don't know if you remember band-aid by gym class heroes but the entirety of that song was just band name puns and she does something similar here and i just the song is super catchy and then like every time i listen to it i swear to god i hear a different band name being dropped at a different point and for a major label debut for her to shout out girl pool and great grandpa i'm like absolutely head over heels with this song oh yeah for sure i mean the, the simple plan all-time logo references are something that we, we can all get behind but then like those name drops it's like oh hell yeah they, you're one of us <laughs> yeah absolutely it was like cool cool cool. we know for sure that she's not just pretending to like this shit if she's pulling out references that like a label might not be able to force feed her for sure yeah and i mean as with the the previous songs of hers we've talked about like it's just like this really great clean and clear production that you know i don't know it just it really like cuts through i don't know yeah it just it's it's very well produced and you you can certainly tell that (laughs) yeah absolutely and i just i I don't know i can't stop gushing about that album it's just such a such a cool moment for her and i'm so excited to see uh how people react to it the rest of the year and on Mm. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I guess uh, just to wrap up with a little couple pieces of music news, uh, I got new downhaul single just came out today, which is Dried, and that's the it's the second track on their album, and it kind of like is part of this one-two punch of uh, longer songs. Like I, the first one's like seven minutes, and then this track's like five or six, and it's uh it, this one is just like i'm so excited to see people starting to hear this and then seeing how they react to the full album is just like i can't wait <laughs> yeah I, i'm excited to hear it. i i'm gonna try i listened to the first single i'm gonna try to wait until the album comes out to listen to anything else though just because it's so close so it's like what two weeks away yeah so i think like, i think 10 days now <laughs> i almost just want to like i want to wait and just experience i think i just want to hear the whole thing in one go after that first single but i am excited because this will still be the first full body of work that i've listened to from (laughs) downhaul so nice (laughs) and then we finally have a sincere engineer album announced even though we have to wait till september for (laughs) i know i have very rarely like there are a few bands that i will like jump on a pre-order the second it's announced and i was like refreshing when i saw that they were going to be announcing something on um or last week when they did so I was very quick to pre-order Bless My Psyche. And I like, I cannot wait to hear this whole album. Yeah, I'm very stoked. Like the the first three singles that were released being like the first three tracks is like so perfect. And yeah. uh, I just, I can't wait to see what else is in store because like, you know, the the first couple songs were like very much similar to Ron Bithian. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I feel like the the last two singles that have come out, including the one that came out uh, with the announcement of the album, kind of are showing uh, a more broad sound um, that I'm really excited to hear them uh, explore. Yeah, Spanish love songs and like Menzinger's vibes too. So I'm like excited just to hear more fleshed out this sounds. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if it's anything like Brave Faces Everyone was last year, then <laughs> oh my god, I'm so here for it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm ready to be crushed. Please do it. <laughs> and then, I mean, the last kind of thing that I have is that tour announcements are back <laughs> for oh better god. or for yeah, worse. <laughs> Sad Summer was just reannounced. What today? Oh, I didn't even see that. Yes. So, like, in the story so far, uh, grayscale. I think that's everybody. Maybe Mayday Parade. And uh, so Fish officially reannounced their tour that was postponed from last year. Beautiful. Motion C soundtrack is doing uh, their 17 years of commitment <laughs> to memory. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Which is okay. I mean, well, that's not till next year. So that's, and that's the reschedule of the 15 year. So I, I get it. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, if they do a 20 year, then that's going to be a little bit much. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They, they kind of that definitely put off the idea of being able to do a 20 year tour unless like they're really trying to just milk whatever they can out of uh, commit this to memory. But yeah, Chloe just announced her tour in support of Blood Bunny. Um, Beach Bunny tour selling out all over the place. <laughs> oh, I know. Anybody else major? I, I guess Green Day and Fall Out Boy are still doing that tour in the summer. Yeah, they're still doing that tour in the summer, which I have tickets to. So I'm curious to see what it'll be like. Because uh, I bought tickets when that was announced, God, t- late 2019, early 2020. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I did like that Weezer album that they only released uh, because of this tour. Like Van <laughs> Weezer's a fun listen, but it's o- it only exists for this tour. So Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm still... I don't know. I don't know where I am as far as tours go. Like, I oh. think I ha- I have tickets to one, well, actually two shows, uh, but two nights in a row to see this band, Goose. And those are, they're like pod seats in an outdoor venue. So okay. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll probably be able to do that. If not, I can definitely sell the tickets because uh, it ended up being like their the first show that they did a lottery for because the, the site crashed when Pruders went live. Um, okay but i don't i i don't know i don't know how i feel about uh full capacity shows i think it's like i've been trying to kind of force myself to do small things that are quote-unquote normal that i know are going to be like not as risky (laughs) and i'm working my way up to feeling comfortable in crowds again yeah well i truly i just don't know how i'm gonna feel about shows coming back either is it gonna become a um like a, a vaccine passport type deal where they're going to ask you for like a QR code. Crowds of people are already pretty scary, but like then just not knowing, like even going into the office is kind of a crapshoot. And I'm just like, I don't know. I'm not going to know more than two people in this building right now. So yeah. like, is it even, I joked on a dating app that they were like, what are you here for? And I was like, I guess to suss out if think COVID for, cause like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to do anything social anymore with people I don't know yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm iffy on tours. I'm iffy on tours too. I, I don't know that I'm going to buy tickets for anything just yet. Um, if they sell live stream tickets as well, I'll happily buy those. Yeah, I mean, I, I really hope that that becomes a thing, like not even just for accessibility reasons, which of course for that, but yeah. also just, I mean, like for the interim when people, some people are comfortable doing it, some people aren't. And then for, yeah. you know, also like scheduling wise, like some people just don't have time to go see a show. <laughs> Absolutely. Give me a live stream code and like a Vimeo link for yeah. that I can watch for like a week after the show or something. Yeah. I mean, even if you do it, like don't announce it until after the tour wraps. So, yeah. you know, you don't have the chance of cannibalizing sales, uh, you know, do it for a limited time, do it, you know, whatever, like however you want to do it. I feel like yeah. it's just kind of found money, especially now that everyone's like, able to do it because everyone's been doing it for almost a year now yeah absolutely i I say almost a year because i feel like it took a little while for people to get get into live streams full full heartedly oh yeah they truly they waited until they were like okay so shows are definitely not happening Uh, (laughs) we gotta do something but yeah no i'm i'm excited and i think uh 
who is i think teenage bottle rocket is the band that i don't know if it's a, just a show or a tour but it's like a 15 dollar ticket but you have to bring your covid passport and then okay. if if you don't if you're either not vaccinated or don't have it then it's like a thousand dollars oh my god and it's like gonna be enforced at the door like you could you can buy them ahead of time but they're, they're like there with tire irons ready to bust your kneecap if you don't have a thousand dollars which i mean i i don't knock it i dig it that was the buzz and here's my conversation with harmony woods I loved the surprise drop. I always think that like there's such a cool opportunity to kind of for fans to create like a lasting memory. Like I saw Jamie teasing the the a huge album coming at midnight, <laughs> and I was like, okay, I gotta stay up to see at least who it is. And then when I saw it was Harmony Woods, I was like, okay, I I gotta listen to this right now. And I ended up live tweeting it. And like, oh my gosh, I just like I think it's such a cool experience. And I'm curious, like, what was kind of like the play by play for the rollout on your end? Oh yeah, for sure. So the record, it's it's really personal and it deals with a lot of like darker, heavier themes. And I would have felt kind of goofy, like rolling it out in a more traditional method, like teasing singles and like having, you know, blogs do like premieres and stuff. It just, it just all seems a bit like, I don't know, inauthentic and disingenuine and just really didn't sit right for me. And, you know, the record itself all sort of came together very like quickly and very, I guess, serendipitously. So it definitely felt like a surprise drop was the only way to do it. And like that that night, how did it uh, how did it kind of like roll out for you? <laughs> I was really freaking nervous, honestly. Like I didn't know what to expect. I was like, okay, like are people like do people care are people going to be paying attention like are people going to stay up to listen to it I really didn't know I honestly like went into it with very very like low expectations like the main thing I focused on was how proud I was of the record and how stoked I was to be putting it out and like just that alone was enough to get me hyped so that you know my (laughs) my satisfaction wasn't really heavily relying on how people were gonna like receive it you know Mm -hmm. but it 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 completely blew me out of the water like we put it out and like the minute like midnight struck I like tweeted it out and like put it on Instagram and all that shenanigans and like people were awake (laughs) people were awake and I was getting like all these notifications and people were saying all these lovely things like super quickly and I was just like oh my god this is insane this is awesome like I was I was so stoked on it honestly for sure yeah and I mean one of the things that I've seen you talk about before is like kind of that you have an eye for uh making uh like album oriented music because that's how you kind of consume it 1000 percent. yeah yeah and like what is it kind of about spending that like 30 or 40 minute chunk of time with a single artist that kind of like you connect to that's a really really great question I don't know I it kind of bums me out that full albums are almost seen as like this lost art form, you know, like everyone's all about singles these days. And like, I totally get it. And like, I, you know, I being like busy and like on the go a lot of the time, you know, a lot of my music consumption does rely on, you know, the algorithmic playlists and like singles and all that, but, you know, setting aside time to really just dig into a record that you love or even to you know set aside time to check out like a new record is just it's just such a fun and rewarding experience it's kind of like you know watching a movie you know and yeah I I just I really love full albums like ever since I was a little kid that's been like my preferred way to listen to music you know mm-hmm. Yeah, and have there been any uh, ones that like really hit hit home the full album experience for you this year so far? Ooh, the Hit Like a Girl record is absolutely stunning and gorgeous. I adore Nicole. They're one of the, you know, sweetest, most brilliant and badass and hardworking people I've met like through the scene. And I'm so happy that that record is getting, you know, the recognition it deserves. It's absolutely gorgeous. Um, also the Rosie Tucker record 
absolutely shreds as well. And yeah, th- those two have been pretty heavy hitters for me this year so far. Nice. Yeah, the hit like a girl one. I really love that. I mean, obviously, like with the the full album drop, you're confident with Graceful Rage as like this cohesive body of work. And I mean, you mentioned kind of like how it would feel a little bit disingenuous to do that traditional rollout. Um, curious kind of what aspects of the album you feel like kind of most contribute to that uh, connectivity. Yeah, for sure. I mean, my records have always been personal to some degree. Um, For the past two records, though, for Nothing Special and Make Yourself at Home, the way I approached writing those lyrics on those records was I didn't really want to talk about, you know, the stuff that inspired them, like, straight up. I sort of took those experiences and then sort of wrote like these fictional stories and these like allegories around them. And that funny enough, there's a song on Graceful Rage called Written House where I do something very similar where like I take this sort of idea and I make it into this fictional story. But other than that song, every song on Graceful Rage is, you know, it's very real. It's sort of, you know, peeling off that mask and saying, okay, this is me this is what happened and this is how it made me feel. And maybe you'll understand and maybe you'll even be able to relate. So that was a big part of, you know, why it just felt strange to tease it for a super duper long time. Yeah. And I mean, kind of like going off that idea of, you know, these being the the most personal songs that you've uh, released, Can you talk a little bit about kind of that idea of like, you know, songs as therapy and kind of how your relationship to the medium of songwriting, you know, changed between those styles? Yeah, absolutely. So I've been writing songs as therapy for a very, very long time. Pretty, I think about as long as I've been writing songs. But the thing is, most of those songs, you know, have not seen the light today, the light of day, because... I either just, you know, didn't think they were very good or they were just like way too personal. And I was like, okay, this is like really dark and no one can ever hear this. And the night that I wrote the song Graceful Rage, I had that exact thought. I was like, okay, that felt really good to write this. And now no one is ever going to want to hear it. (laughs) (laughs) and no one is going to hear it because I'm not going to put it out. (laughs) Um, So that happens. And then um, throughout, you know, this like two year period, I wrote like some similar songs that, you know, I wrote strictly as therapy. And then, you know, about halfway through 2020, well into the pandemic, I I sort of had like this idea where I was like, okay, if I took a few of these songs and bundled them together and released them, is there any chance that in these lonely, really, really lonely times, is there any chance that, you know, someone would be able to connect with them and, you know, make them feel less alone, even if it's just one person. And I thought to myself, well, I mean, even, even if just one person is able to connect with these songs and putting them out, like, will be worth it. And, you know, I've received a few messages from people, like, privately who've been like, hey, like, this meant a lot to me and I could really relate to this. And, you know, it made me feel a bit lighter. And oh, that feels really good, you know, to actually be able to, you know, make a difference in someone's life, even if it's just for like 30 minutes, you know, it's a really, really sick feeling. (laughs) For sure. And was that kind of like that switch in mentality from no one's ever going to hear these songs to like, maybe these could help someone let you release them. Was that like kind of an immediate thing or was it kind of like a, a drawn out thought process for you? Not immediate at all. It like being more honest in my music is something that I feel like I've been building up to for a while. Um, And it definitely, that time definitely needed to pass, you know, like it wasn't like, there were definitely times where like I wrote songs that I was really proud of that I thought were really good, but then thought, okay, I'm not putting this out. And then I did it, you know, 
Um, so it's definitely a thing that, you know, took a while for me to get comfortable with. And then the main motivating factor was, you know, looking outside of myself, you know, not just, you know, being plagued by, you know, my own self-consciousness, you know, mm-hmm. and sort of thinking, okay, like art, yes, I do make art for myself for sure, but there is also that part where I do it for other people. And that was the part that, you know, I started embracing a little more. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, I guess before, you know, even the step of releasing it and having the world have access to it, there was kind of the the, the mid step of, you know, sharing it with your bandmates and sharing it with Bartiz who produced the album. And um, how was that kind of process for you? Like the, that initial opening up? Yeah, absolutely. So my bandmates, Josh and David, are two of my closest friends in the whole world. And they already like kind of sort of knew about the situations that inspired the record. So it wasn't really like a major surprise to them, you know, and they're, they're two people that I trust heavily. So it wasn't at all like it wasn't really scary to me to sort of share it with them. Um, but, you know, at first... I was a little bit self-conscious sharing the songs with Bartiz because, you know, um, we had been like Twitter mutuals ever since like late 2019, but we really didn't know each other, you know, like we hadn't really interacted a bunch. So I was just like, okay, this person practically a stranger, like what are they going to think of these songs? And I, I think they were the first like person to hear the songs that didn't really know me personally and didn't really have you know, an inkling as to what the songs were actually about. But after I sent him the songs, the demos, he DM'd me on Twitter a little bit later and he was like, hey, like, I just want you to know that I really connect with these songs and like, I'm really like touched by them and I'm really excited about this. And I was like, oh my God, like, that was so nice of him. And it definitely made me feel a little more at peace about the whole thing. For sure. Yeah. And um, one of the things like I've seen you talk about is kind of that these songs kind of had their own meaning for you when you wrote them, but that you're not really quite as like interested in that anymore. Like they're now kind of, you know, the other people's like the, the audience's songs to put their Absolutely. own meaning to. I, I think that's interesting because uh, some artists seem to be like so precious with their work and kind of like the messages behind it. And I'm, I'm curious kind of where that like philosophy of letting go kind of came from for you. Well, I feel like, you know, it's just the next step in the sort of therapeutic process, you know, first I write the song and then I release the song, but by releasing the songs, it's almost as though I'm not really carrying that burden anymore. You know, it's, it's a very freeing thing. And then on top of that, you know, obviously I, I don't want to go into detail about what the songs are actually about and that's that's another you know part of why I really love when people form their own meanings with it because one of my favorite things to do like as a music listener is to like form my own meanings to songs like I'll literally I'll listen to a song and I'll be like oh my god like I can relate this to this and then I'll like go on genius.com and then like look at the little annotations and then I'll be like oh shit I was way off oh well I like mine better <laughs> I, I would I just really want like people to be able to do that kind of thing with my music you know mine is like over explained genius annotations if that makes sense (laughs) yeah have there been any kind of like interpretations of any of the songs that have kind of surprised you oh that's a great question honestly I'm not sure I try to like other than like I mean I I see like my mentions on like social media and stuff but I I try to avoid like you know searching my name just because you know, I never know what I'm going to find, but that's a really interesting thought. I'll have to get back to you on that. Yeah, I, I imagine it will probably come more into play when once live shows are able to happen and people are able to kind of, to kind of talk to you face to face about it. <laughs> for sure, for sure. I'm I'm very much looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, apart from like the lyrical themes, you know, the kind of sonic landscapes that you created 
especially on Graceful Rage, are kind of really sealed the deal for me as far as making the album cohesive. And I'm curious, like, what was that kind of process like for you, you know, instrumentation wise? Oh, yeah, for sure. So um, when I had that first phone call with Bartiz, the way I kind of, you know, <laughs> sold my vision to him was I, I sort of pitched my idea, like my sonic idea as, um, oh, my God, I'm trying to think. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Uh, melodrama by Lord plus disintegration by the cure multiplied by um the cherry tree ep by the national (laughs) and to sort of elaborate on that like i really really wanted to make a record that was you know really rhythm section heavy like a record where you could not only like hear the bass and drums, but actually feel them in your body as you're listening to it. Um, on top of like, you know, more like poppy, like melodical arrangements and then sort of, you know, folky in more like folky ish inspired, like instrumental arrangements if that makes sense it's a lot (laughs) it's a lot to take in but like he he perfectly like got what I was going for and I I'm just like we when we were recording in the studio I cannot tell you how many times we were just like yelling about like (laughs) how cool everything sounded like I don't know it it was so 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 fun to make Yeah, I mean, I I feel like that makes a lot of sense what you're saying, because like, especially the drums are like so huge. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, how did you kind of like go about getting those kind of massive sounds? Oh, my gosh. Okay. I'm not like an audio engineering person by any means, so I can't give you like the full like gear, like nerd rundown, but um, we recorded at the studio Barty's works out of, which is called 38 North in Falls Church, Virginia. And they just have this massive live room. It's like huge. And they have this thing called like a drum umbrella, drum umbrella, if you will. (laughs) You can sort of like move it up and down and it changes, I guess, the amount of like space you can hear in the drums on the recording. And yeah, I don't know. We were like fortunate enough to work in this like really like wild, like fancy studio and it ended up sounding really fucking cool. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) And I mean, with pretty much all your albums at this point, I mean, you've worked with some really talented people like, you know, Jake Ewald for the first album, then Chris Taddy and now Bartiz. I'm curious, like kind of just in general, like what is the kind of role a producer play? What is that for you? That's a really great question. It's honestly been different, like between every record. Um, but I will say for Graceful Rage, I feel like Bartiz played more of a role than any of the people we've worked with in the past. Um, but I feel like, you know, having that influence and having that sort of collaborative energy made the songs come out stronger, you know, because, you know, he had ideas that I, in a million years would have never been able to think of like really, really badass shit. Like just to give an example, there's this guitar solo towards the end of Rittenhouse that is just, it's like this super wild, like almost like Southern rock country inspired solo. And we were like, we were in the studio thinking, okay, like what should we do in this part? And he just like grabs a guitar and is like, all right, all right, wait, I have an idea. And when Barty says he has an idea, you know, you gotta just let him go off, you know? And he just starts ripping this insane solo. And (laughs) our drummer, David, and I just look at each other and we're like, what the fuck? (laughs) <laughs> yeah it, it was awesome yeah I mean, Bartiz like I've been interviewing him since before he was Bartiz Strange when he was doing a project called Bartiz and the Strange Fruit and it's like been so cool to me to see like him kind of you know grow not just as an artist but also like with his production work like 
being so like kind of DIY and like learning it all himself. I'm curious. Absolutely. What, what were some of the kind of like things that stood out to you most about your time with him? Whew, that's a really great question. Um, he's very hands-on, but he's also, I, I feel like he's a very, he's also a very like intuitive producer. Like, like I was saying before, like if he has an idea, he'll just go with it and like see where it takes us. And I think that intuition is really, really, really important when it comes to, you know, being a creator. I feel like, I don't know, speaking personally, I feel like I can relate or not really, I can rely on my intuition sometimes more heavily than like when I sit down and I look at it from a more, look at like certain like arrangements from a more like compositional point of view like the like music theory heavy point of view um because that sort of leads to me overthinking everything you know which can make a song weaker in my opinion or at least just like in my experience so I feel like intuition is a really really important thing to have when you're doing that kind of thing and he he has it and it works and it rocks <laughs> <laughs> for sure yeah and I, I think it might have been on uh the better yet podcast or one of the other ones that you did recently um where you're kind of talking about like continuing to find and like hone your your vocal style and i'd love to hear a little bit more about that oh absolutely so barty's actually i will say um barty's is the producer that has been most heavily involved, I guess, in my vocal performance, because he is the only producer I've worked with who was, I guess, like professionally trained vocally. He he was trained by his mom, who's an opera singer. And I feel like, like I definitely came out of that studio a better vocalist because of him. Like in between takes, instead of just being like, oh, let's try it again. Let's try it again. And not really like, you know, giving any notes. He would come into the booth with me and go, okay, how are you doing this? And we would figure out how to get like, not only a stronger take together, but, you know, he he helped me become a stronger vocalist. It was very much a, you know, teach a man to fish kind of thing. (laughs) That makes sense. For sure. Um, and I mean, on my very first listen through, uh, God's Gift to Women was the one that kind of like, you know, it was like, okay, this is this is the jam. This is the the hit. Um, I'd love to just hear a little bit about how that one came together. <laughs> yeah. So uh, not to get too into specifics, basically, I was just fucking pissed. Like a good chunk of the songs on Graceful Rage I wrote after a situation had occurred. But with that song, I wrote it like right after I had been given like this like specific information. And I was just so heated and so mad. And I just needed to get it out of my system. So I was just like, okay, fuck it. I'm going to write a really fast pop punk song. (laughs) And at first I was like kind of nervous to sort of lean into, you know, the whole pop punk thing, like arrangement wise. And Barty's was the one who like pushed me to be like, let's just go for it. Like, like, let's just fully lean into it. Um, And it ended up sounding fucking huge. Like (laughs) the drums, especially on that song. Like I remember when we were tracking in the second verse, there's, there's like the drum kit, but then in the second verse, we also had like a snare, like standing up on its own. And David was just like doing rolls on it, like kind of marching band style. And we just like layered it on top of the like, drum kit and it ugh, it sounds so cool <laughs> <laughs> for sure yeah and i mean and that song kind of kicks off the the back third of the album which i think it was one of the other writers at the alternative who was kind of saying it seems like this year is a, a really big year for like the the last three songs of the album can you talk a little bit about kind of like i guess those songs as like a chunk or like you know the the structure of the album in that way yeah for sure it's kind of funny i didn't really intend for this to be the case (laughs) but I kind of like to joke that it's almost as though side A is like the graceful and then side B is the (laughs) range I love that 
Yeah, it's kind of funny. But like, I don't know. When I was sequencing the record, the only thing I really wanted to get across was, you know, the first track and the last track both being about, you know, saying goodbye from the bullshit and moving on. Like, I definitely wanted to bookend the record in that way. And then everything in the middle, I just wanted to be just, you know, feelings and the process of letting go and not even just letting go, but, you know, allowing yourself to feel those really, really inconvenient, messed up feelings so you can let go. Yeah. And I mean, mentioning that the bookend, I can't, you know, peeking with the line, you'll never hurt me again, which kind of like really feels like this rallying cry and is one of the things I'm, you know, really excited about when live shows come back, like hearing people be able to say that, you know, and have that kind of release. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about that song? Yeah, absolutely. So that song was, um, yeah, that song was a lot. It, it, it felt, I didn't, when I was writing it, I didn't necessarily intend for it to be a closing track, but it was a song that I wrote like at the tail end of this, like, you know, situation that I was going through. So it did, you know, feel like a closing track, like a goodbye in a way. Like basically what happened was I had heard from this person from my past and I I could tell that, you know, it was, it, it, it felt disingenuine you know like they were saying all the perfect things and like checking off all the boxes that like you know I had wanted to be checked for years but it was it was way too late and it just didn't feel right and it was the point where I was just like okay this this isn't happening like ever again like we're we're done here like this is done um and yeah, it, it felt really, really good to get it out of my system, you know? <laughs> For sure. Um, and you, you mentioned kind of like, you know, how you had the specific bookends of the album, but the the middle was kind of just, you know, everything else nebulously. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit about kind of like the that, that sequencing process and kind of figuring out where everything would fit in the album. Yeah, for sure. So I had, I'm pretty sure I had the sequence in mind before we started recording. Um, sequencing is one of those things that's like kind of hard for me to talk about because it's it's very intuitive, you know? Like, <laughs> I, I spent some time like trying out like different orders of the songs. This is like, I don't know. I said it was intuitive. It's like half intuitive, half like, uh, I guess like, what's the word? Metha methodological um yeah that yeah, I guess that's it. <laughs> sorry i've had i've been like studying all day my brain is just absolute soup right now thank you so much um but yeah i would like i had the demos and i would just like play the tail end of one song and see how it would go into another song and i i wanted the record to like you know vary in mood but still be cohesive in a way where it could be listened to front to back and just be like sort of this like really cathartic roller coaster ride for sure yeah and I mean with dynamics also playing like such a huge role how did you kind of like how do you go about kind of like when you're during the writing process how does how do those end up um you know kind of fleshing themselves out oh for sure so I write all the songs just me and my acoustic guitar um and throughout that process I'm sort of like charting out ideas of arrangements in my head and I also focus like really heavily on like the dynamics of the song like I'll I'll just be writing like the chords and like the rhythm guitar part and I'll be like okay this is the quiet part and then this is the loud part and then this is the really loud part and then this is the quiet part <laughs> you know what I mean like when I'm writing by myself I'm I'm sort of seeing this big picture in my head and then once I'm finished that I take it to my bandmates and I like I, I sort of explain to them you know like the graph 
of like <laughs> how I want the song to go. And they like, they totally get me and it ends up like working out, you know? Nice. <laughs> uh, and then I always like to wrap up the same way, which is just by asking for a piece of advice or something you've been thinking about, whether it's life or music or whatever else you have on your mind that you want to share. Oh, a piece of advice. Um, I guess. Okay. So if you're like me and you grew up, you know, having struggles with mental health and you, you might feel like you have trouble trusting your gut more specifically, okay, how do I know if this is my intuition or if this is my anxiety? Um, but more often than not, there have been the times that I've like not trusted my gut have been the times where I've ended up in like pretty unfortunate situations. So I guess, <laughs> I guess what I want to say is give your gut more credit, like give yourself more credit. Like your intuition's more val- valuable than you may think. That makes a lot of sense for sure. Oh yeah. Is there anything that we haven't hit on about the album or Harmony Woods in general that you've been really itching to get out there? Ooh, um, there's some cool stuff happening that I want to keep a surprise for now, but I will <laughs> say um, this past weekend, we shot something really, really cool. The kind of thing that we haven't really done before yet as a band. And I'm really, really excited about it. Thanks so much to Sophia for taking the time to talk and shedding some light on Graceful Rage. If you haven't listened yet, what are you doing with your life? If the talk of the music itself and how much of herself she put into it wasn't enough, the fact that no earbuds, bar strange, and even front of the pod Jiraiya with a t-shirt design were all involved in the release should definitely get you excited. Final Call is brought to you by Sound Talent Media. Special thank you to Joel Funk for coming on for What's the Buzz, and as always, to The Alternative for helping to promote the show, Kaylin West of Tiny Stills for the theme song, and Michaela Jane for the artwork. You can keep up to date by subscribing to the podcast and following the show on Twitter and Instagram at FindTheCallPod. Feel free to email any questions, comments, or other feedback to me at FindTheCallPod at gmail.com. Catch you right back here next Tuesday with another great episode. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The Corner of Gray Street.